Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, Tom Hartman here. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's supported by advertising. So after this brief message, we'll get right into it. You know, it's shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. That's the brutal lesson Deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online, forged it, and literally took ownership of her home. In an instant, thieves legally owned Deborah's home. She got evicted and spent a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. You know, the FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and you do not want to be next. That's why I urge you to protect the online title to your home with Home Title Lock. You know, the legal documents to our homes are kept online where thieves hunt them. They forge the documents stating you sold your home. Then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. And no insurance or bank protects you. Home Title Lock does. You could already be a victim of title fraud and not know it. Find out. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com and enter WATCH for one month of free protection. Again, enter WATCH for one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. So much going on. So much to talk to you about today. The caucuses in Nevada happened over the weekend, and I was in Minneapolis. We had a wonderful time in Minneapolis, by the way. KTNF is such a great radio station. They've got their own app, and you can find a KTNF out of Minneapolis. But between the time that I did one event and the time I did another event with them, or between the time, I guess, that I arrived, I flew in from Portland fairly early, and then we had a dinner last night. And during that, the returns were coming in. And so I was watching them on CNN and MSNBC and Fox. I was channel surfing from my hotel room. And I'm hearing James Carville going off on how, you know, people who think Bernie can win an election are like climate deniers. They're opposed to the science. That's horse pucky. It's just wrong. I mean, are you telling me that somebody who packs 23,000 people into a stadium in Seattle, 17,000 people in Southern California, literally tens of thousands of people coming out all over the country, somebody who pulled 69% of Hispanic voters in the Nevada caucus under 45 years old, 69%, Biden was 8%, Buttigieg 7, Warren 7, Steyer 5, Gabbard and Klobuchar 1 each. 69 friggin' percent of Hispanic vote, that person can't win an election? Are you seriously trying to tell me 
that somebody whose proposals are no more than what Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, and Jack Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson proposed? Are you trying to, honestly, honest to God, you're trying to tell me that somebody whose policies are essentially identical to Lyndon Johnson, Jack Kennedy, Harry Truman, and Franklin Roosevelt can't get elected? Are you seriously trying to tell me that? Jimmy Carter announced that he was going to have a solar bank that would provide 20% of the nation's electricity by the year 2000. That was in 1978. And of course, you know, Reagan took the solar panels off the White House in 81 when he was inaugurated. One of the first things he did, and that was the end of that. But I mean, you know, the Green New Deal, Jimmy Carter was promoting that. And you're honest to God trying to tell me that he can't win? Oh, he honeymooned in Moscow. He was the mayor of Burlington. There's a little town in the Soviet Union that was the sister city. Mayors do that. They go to the sister city. It wasn't on his honeymoon, although he made the remark it was kind of a weird honeymoon because he and his wife had not had a kind of official honeymoon. So they kind of decided, well, we'll have a nice dinner while we're there. But he was there as the mayor of the city. Come on, give me a break. And he calls out the Soviet Union as a bunch of dictators. Oh, well, he said nice things about Castro. You know what he said about Castro? He said that after Castro took over, everybody in the country got educated. Louise and I have been to Cuba. And the two things that are most conspicuous, three things that are most conspicuous when you, and we traveled all around Cuba while we were there with no restrictions whatsoever. And the three things that you notice are even the homeless people have perfect teeth, number one. Number two, in all of Havana, I saw one homeless person. And I'm not sure he was homeless. He just kind of looked like a homeless person. But his teeth were perfect. Why? Because they have universal health care that includes dental and vision. Everybody has glasses. Everybody can see. Number one, what you see is everybody is healthy. Number two, there are no homeless people. And number three, everybody is literate. And those were the reforms that Castro made. And yeah, you don't see people standing out in the streets with signs saying, I hate the government. I'm with you on that. Bernie's with you on that. He has decried political repression in Cuba. But hey, they said education and health care, including dental care and literacy, these are human rights. We're going to put these, and housing, we're going to put these first and foremost. And he did. I mean, are you telling me that somebody who says that an entire country that's literate can't get elected president? Honest to God, is that what you're trying to tell me? Lloyd Blankfein came out, the longtime CEO of Goldman Sachs, one of the richest men in America. Lloyd Blankfein comes out and says, well, I don't know if I can vote for Bernie Sanders. Lloyd Blankfein's supposed to be a, you know, he's a Clinton Democrat, as in Bill Clinton. He was one of Bill Clinton's advisors. So I don't know if I can vote. I'll have to vote for Donald Trump if it's Bernie Sanders. Really? Bernie's response? I welcome the hatred of the crooks who destroyed our economy. I think I might find, <laughs> this is what Blankfein said, I think I might find it harder to vote for Bernie than for Trump. This was, at the, head, this was the, the top headline on the Financial Times all weekend. Like, oh, this is a big story. All of us people who care about money should be worried about this. Blankfein says, uh, propose Sanders' wealth tax. Now, you and I, if you own a house or if you rent, and odds are you do one or the other or you live in your parents' house and they own a house or rent, you're paying a wealth tax. Every year, I write a check for several thousand dollars to the city of Portland, or maybe it's Multnomah County, I'm not sure what, as property tax on the house I own. My home is my principal source of wealth, as is the case for most middle-class people. And every year, I pay a tax on that principal source of wealth. And Bernie's just saying, hey, 
You know, people who own millions of dollars worth of stock, let's charge them a tiny percentage. Elizabeth Warren's proposal is 1%. Bernie's is in that neighborhood. I don't recall the exact amount. And Blankfein says, this is just as subversive of the American character as Trump's demonization of people, groups of people he's never met. I don't like it at all. I don't like assassination by category. I think it's un-American. Right. It's un-American. The billionaires pay the, actually a much smaller tax. I mean, I'm paying more than 1% on my house. I think, I think my uh, property tax is like 4 or 5%. It's, it's substantial. But, you know, I pay a wealth tax every year. And I'm not a rich guy. You probably pay a wealth tax, and if you're renting, you're paying it in form of increased rent because your landlord's just passing through your, their property tax. Why shouldn't Lloyd Blankfein pay a damn wealth tax? Well, Blankfein comes out and says, well, I'm going to have to vote for Trump. And Bernie says, I welcome their hatred. And here's what Franklin Roosevelt had to say about that. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. And our crowd cheers, just like the crowds cheer for Bernie. Seriously, if anybody, if any of these anti-Bernie people from, you know, the kind of official hate Bernie bulletin board over at Democratic Underground or anybody else, if any of you can call and specify one policy that Bernie is proposing that is not consistent with LBJ's Great Society or Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, I challenge you. There aren't any, to the best of my knowledge, possibly other than the wealth tax, which was proposed by Teddy Roosevelt, the Republican, back in 1907. And as I said, every middle class person in America pays a wealth tax every year, pays a small tax on their wealth. So there's that. And then after the break, I want to get and, and, you know, I just I just find this nuts. I tweeted as I was watching James Carville go on this rant, I tweeted, I am disgusted and sickened by the commentary I'm hearing right now from Carville on MSNBC. And that tweet went absolutely viral. Hundreds and hundreds of responses. It became an article by Bob Brigham up at the very top of rawstory.com for much of the weekend. And, you know, I was not alone. Absolutely amazing. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind? I want to start off by calling on all the Democratic candidates, except for Bernie Sanders, to drop out. Because at this point, it's fairly clear that Bernie has achieved a multi-coalition, multi-racial, multi-generational, working-class voting base that is um, unstoppable at this point. I agree. And if the candidates continue to stay in, at this point, I mean, they are being spoilers yeah. at this point. I mean, well, it, it, you know, Jared, we're at a primary, and all of these candidates are entitled to continue competing in the, in the primary. It's going to be up to the voters. And frankly, within two weeks, in less than two weeks, in about in the next 10 days, we're going to know. Right. You're going to have South Carolina. And then right after that, you got Super Tuesday and California comes in and everybody else comes in. And it's going to be well, it's going to be whatever it is. And then I think, you know, I mean, here in Oregon, I don't think we have our primary till April, isn't it? It's, it's down the road, maybe even May. I mean, it's, it's, it's down the road. So we'll be probably pretty irrelevant. But this is going to happen fast. And the one thing, though, Jared, if I may respectfully push back, 
in the interest of seeing an actual progressive at the top of the ticket, we can't let this thing go to the second ballot at the DNC because that's when the superdelegates come in. There are almost 800 superdelegates. A dear close friend of mine who is also way up in the Sanders campaign and also a member of the DNC and a superdelegate told me that the polling, the math is looking like, you know, even as good as Bernie's doing right now, that when he gets to the convention, out of the 4,000, roughly 4,000 delegates, he's going to need over 1,900. I think it's around 3,800 total. He's going to need half plus one, right? He's going to need 51%, more than 50%. He may not have that, but he and Warren will. And if Warren drops out, it doesn't mean that all of her voters automatically go to Bernie. About half of her voters will go to somebody else. It's a Venn diagram, and there's an overlap, but it's not a complete one on top of the other thing, you know, where the two circles lay right on top of each other. So what you'll have is a situation like we had in 2008, where in that primary, the principal players were Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And when they got to the first round in the DNC, Obama needed Hillary's delegates, just like Bernie's probably going to need Warren's delegates. And so he reached out to Hillary and he said, what do you want? I'd be glad to make you vice president. I'll give you whatever you want. Just give me your delegates. She said, I want secretary of state. They cut the deal and he became president or he became the nominee and then he became president. Bernie, in all probability, is going to need Elizabeth Warren's delegates and she can basically assign them to him. And, uh, you know, on the day of the convention before the first ballot and cut a deal with him for whatever she wants. And I'm guessing she'd probably love to be either vice president or secretary of the Treasury or something like that. So let's not ask for people to drop out, but let's ask everybody to get involved and get voting. Jared, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you, as always. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Wayne in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Wayne, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. You earlier talked about the crossover vote in 2016. Yeah, the, the Obama to Trump crossover vote has been well analyzed, but the Bernie to Trump crossover vote, to the best of my knowledge, has not been. Do you have information to fill in the blanks? Yeah, there was a study. I don't know if you heard of this political science professor, Brian Schaffner. He Doesn't was from about. Harvard, UMass, Tufts, Ernie. He conducted a study both in 2016 and 2008. And he found out, indeed, that there were 12% of the Bernie voters crossed over to vote for Trump. Well, I was sort of alarmed by it, in perspective. He also found that 15% of the Obama voters voted for Trump. And he mentioned the various factions, like you said, and the Bernie voters, and mm-hmm. broke it down even further. And he also checked the 2008 election. You recall how bitter that was between Hillary and Obama? He said that 25% of the Hillary voters voted for McCain. So if you're going to judge who are the more loyal voters... With those figures, Bernie had the most loyal figures. But if you just want to take one specific point 
saying that Bernie had 12% of his voters vote for Trump, then you can say maybe he cost Hillary the election, you know, in the Rust Belt with that 77,000. But in reality, Obama had more voters, and Hillary had twice that amount. So Brian Schaffner, S-H-A-F-F-N-E-R, he's from Harvard and Vox.com. Because Hillary voters are always saying Bernie cost us the election. And I tell Hillary voters, JFK balanced his ticket with LBJ, and Reagan balanced his Mm -hmm. ticket with Daddy Bush, who called him voodoo economics, and Obama had bought. Why didn't Hillary choose either Bernie or Elizabeth? That would have balanced her ticket and got that 12% back to help her win the election. She shows Tim Kaine, I don't think he was balancing a ticket with someone she liked. Tim Kaine was somebody who would never challenge her. He would never upstage her. He was the most, you know, uh, white bread, milk toast guy that you could come up with. And he didn't have a record that anybody could really point to one way or the other. And that suggests to me a certain level of political insecurity. LBJ was they were they weren't on a friendly basis with oh, Jack LBJ and, and Jack Kennedy he hated each conservative other. Democratic vote. Yeah, yeah, you know JFK really looked down his nose at LBJ. He did not like him at all. But they had served together in the Senate. And they knew each other, and they they were able to come to a compromise, as it were. And it actually turned into one of the best political combinations in our history because they were both strong people. They both knew how to use power. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? Bernie should be pushing this. He didn't have a heart attack. I have a friend who had the same thing. He had to have a stent put in. He went to the emergency room with chest pressure and sweating and so on. But it wasn't a heart attack. And Michael Bloomberg has two stents, and his, apparently. I know he doesn't want to argue it. It'll right. sound like he's trying to deny it. But what we should be right. saying is, no, Bernie Sanders... Didn't have a, they prevented him from having a heart attack with the health care, the kind of health care that he's fighting for other people to get, so they don't have heart attack, too. That's well what we really should be saying here. And the other thing well is said. that another progressive talk should saying that we've never had a president who had had a heart attack before going, yes, Lyndon Johnson had three heart attacks before he took office. His fourth one killed him in 1972, but Lyndon Johnson, according to Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, Leadership, had three heart attacks before he became president. And the other thing is, Franklin Roosevelt right, had polio. Yeah, and Franklin Roosevelt had polio 12 years before he took office. He was not a well man ever during the time that right. he was in office. And look at all the great things he did. I mean, I think yeah, Bernie he- Sanders, when you're at the end of your life, you can do miraculous things just for the pure will of wanting to do it. And I think that's what Bernie wants to do. Yeah, and FDR also smoked all his life, which is what caused him to stroke out, I believe. And and yeah, back yeah, then, he had I mean, cardiovascular you had, disease. Right, you had you had he Ronald had, Reagan on TV in a lab coat saying, "Doctors say smoke Palmells." I mean, you know, they they were being sold as something that was good for you. And then uh, Dwight Eisenhower had a heart attack in 1959. Nixon had to basically take over. It wasn't widely reported at the time, but uh, he had a very serious heart attack. So there's a long history of this, and I think that if you read that medical report that Bernie did release that has all those details, you get it. You know, he's in good shape. This is a phony baloney attack. I put it on Twitter, and suddenly I'm getting all these attacks against me and against Bernie and saying, oh, well, you know, he's not being truthful and he's not putting out everything. And I want to know if he had a polyp discovered when he had a colonoscopy, because maybe that's cancer. I'm wondering if Bloomberg's paid trolls are coming out. I just don't know. But, Paul, thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you. Bruce in Long Valley, New Jersey. Hey, Bruce, what's up? 
Hi. Uh, your conversation before about why McGovern lost to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was another reason that you overlooked. All the reasons you gave were part of it. But I was a union member back then. There was a pro-war movement that was after, you know, Jane Fonda and all this. And mm-hmm. the officers that were running the union against the establishment sent out flyers with the flag in it. And then, if you recall, Frank Buckley ran for senator. And he had commercials on TV with the flag waving in the background. And it didn't matter that McGovern flew to airplanes over Germany or nothing. They were labeling him as anti-American, too. Right. As a, yeah, the, you're absolutely right. Yeah, as a pacifist and as a communist. That was in that kind of transition period where it was still patriotic to support the war in Vietnam. Right. And, and Buckley only, only lasted one term. The hippies. So he again? lasted one term before the people woke up. Yeah. And voted yeah, him out. Yeah, exactly. Excellent point. Excellent point. Bruce, thank you for calling and sharing that. Tony in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Tony, thanks for listening to Series 6. What's on your mind? Hey, Tom. So this gentleman who called, he was saying, oh, well, you know, there's no way that a Jewish man will ever become president. And it's like, said the same thing about Obama. They were like, oh, you know, a black man will never be president. And it's like, exactly. does the guy realize there's seven and a half, does he realize there's seven and a half million Jewish people in America? You know, so <laughs> that's the start of it. Yeah. And I think one of the problems is that no one's really talking as much as they should be on this channel and a lot of the progressive blogs, really trying to understand what happened in 16 with the voter base, why people voted why they did. Everyone's just trying to broad stroke it and say, well, this is what happened. And really, this is going to come down to two things. And I think Stephanie Miller pointed out that in the last week or so that Donald Trump essentially needs about 11% more voters to basically take over the popular vote, to basically just, you know, take over forever. And we seem to keep forgetting that there's 24% Republican, 24% Democrat, and then everybody else is an independent. And independents, you know, they're not just, oh, they lean left or they lean right. Like, the independents are a huge voter block that's made up of all these different types of sort of political ideologies. And when you look at all the different candidates, Bernie is the only candidate that really appeals to the largest amount of different types of people in that voter block. So that we certainly true, saw that in the election of 2016, in the primary of 2016, where Bernie overwhelmingly, he won every single county in Wisconsin except one. And a lot of it was right. the independent vote. He, he wiped out Michigan. He uh, beat Hillary in West Virginia by more than 30 points as I recall, certainly more than 20, in the high 20s or low 30s. We see this over and over again, that Bernie's policies are well known. Bernie is known to be a guy of high integrity. All they can throw at him is the socialist label. And now, <laughs> and now since, since he, either he or his wife inherited a house in, in, uh, or a little bit of money and bought a house in Vermont, and the value of the house is over a million dollars, you know, and he made a million bucks on his book, I guess. And so they're saying, oh, he's a millionaire. <laughs> Come on. It's like, this is all you've got? His house, you know, so Jane inherited her family's house in Maine, right? So they sold it to buy a house on Lake Champlain so it could be closer to, that's where all their family is. The photos right. of this house, I mean, it's, it's a lake cabin that looks like it came out of the 60s. 
there's nothing luxurious yeah. about it. Like you see it, and you're like, yeah, that's Bernie's Lake House. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, but the property is real valuable. That's the thing, it. you know. Super, yeah, but my point valuable. is. The only argument against Bernie Sanders, the only argument that has any integrity, is when people say, we really like this system where the lobbyists give us a lot of money and give us trips and give us free lunches and we pass legislation on their behalf. We want to keep that system in place. And if they would just be honest about it, you know, because Bernie wants to blow that up, as does Elizabeth Warren. But because they find that that doesn't really win elections to say that, you know, to say, I'd like to continue to be able to take millions of dollars from people in wine caves and stuff. You know, because you can't really say that. They come up with these BS arguments. I don't know if you saw what John Oliver called. Well, I'm getting into circular firing squad stuff. But the way that the Republicans are going to be going after Bernie, if Bernie is the nominee, is going to be, you know, oh, he's a socialist. Oh, he's a millionaire. Oh, he's an elitist. And we all know that that's just nonsense. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that our first Jewish president, you said it's like Obama being black. You know, and I've told the story a million times on this show during the Obama-Hillary primary in 2008, I had on one of the top guys in the California Democratic Party. He was the vice something of something. And he was black. He was an African-American. He was very outspoken, African-American, very progressive. And he came on and he said, uh, you know, I'm encouraging people to vote for Hillary Clinton rather than Barack Obama. And I'm like, you know, why? And he's like, because I'm a black man and I know how bad discrimination is. I know how intense racial hatred is in this country. I know what the white supremacists are all about. I know how, you know, even average white people in the United States, even if they think they're not racist, they're harboring racist, you know, uh, ideas deep down inside. And he said, I just don't think America will ever elect a black man. And then on top of that, his middle name is Hussein. And, and you know, how is that even going to be possible? So... You know, he, he, he says this stuff, and then the primaries happened, and Obama swept him, and boom, Obama is the candidate, and he wins the election. I agree with you. I don't think Bernie's Judaism is going to be used against him in a way that's going to influence anybody other than the anti-Semitic white supremacists, and we don't have them anyway. Right. I think what we need to remember is that the anti-Semitic vote in the United States, which is conflated with, it's part of, it's entangled with the white supremacist vote, basically, which is kind of bizarre because most Jews, if you, most Jewish people, if you looked at them, you'd say that's a white person. But for historical reasons, going all the way back to the Russian czar sponsoring the protocols of the elders of Zion, this fictitious book that made it look like Jews were trying to overthrow or take over the world and all this stuff. This has been the province of the right wing. This has been the province of the white supremacists. This has been the province of the people who are frightened bigots, basically. And I don't think it will play in the Democratic Party. I don't think it's going to play in the primary. And I think in the general election, it's not going to play either. And you pointed out Kennedy's Catholicism. He was the first Catholic president back in the late 18th century and throughout the 19th century when an occasional Catholic ran. Al Smith was a Catholic. He ran for president. When they would try to run, they would be called papists, you know, which was a slur on Catholics. And ultimately, Kennedy overcame that. And he overcame it within the Democratic Party. Again, the party of pluralism and egalitarianism, and we're all in this togetherism. So, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, and I talked about this briefly on the air yesterday, that if Bernie is the nominee or Bloomberg is the nominee, the two Jewish candidates, that we will have 
anti-Semitism as a dimension of the campaign. But it'll be a dimension coming from the farthest extremist fringe of the Republican Party. I just don't see it happening in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has embraced Judaism and Jewish people for decades, for half a century at least and, and more. And frankly, I think that Rush Limbaugh and Donald Trump's you can't say Merry Christmas anymore, I really think that that's, that that's a very subtle anti-Semitic stab, you know, dig. It's a dog whistle to the anti-Semites. So I'm not real concerned about it. My other prediction, though, it'll be interesting to see if it plays out. It'll be sad if it does play out the way I expect it will. But my other prediction, having just done a fair amount of research on Viktor Orban's Hungary, now, George Soros was Hungarian. He was born in Hungary. He left Hungary as a teenager. He actually, Viktor Orban, who's the president of Hungary, went to college in England on a scholarship that George Soros paid for, which is amazing. But he now has literally posters and billboards of George Soros all over the country as the international Jew who's trying to harm Orban in Hungary. He has built his reputation and his re-election campaign a couple of years ago on anti-Semitism. And George Soros was the face of that, because George Soros is Jewish and he's also a Hungarian. And he's been supporting good government programs all across Europe, which includes in Hungary, although Orban has recently banned them. And my prediction is that if Bloomberg doesn't get the nomination but keeps his promise that he's going to fund whoever is the nominee. And let's say whether it's Bernie or whether it's uh, Joe Biden or Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, for that matter. If Bloomberg continues to fund them, you're going to start seeing these anti-Semitic tropes in the United States as well. You know, the, the right-wingers come on, and I've had right-wingers on my program go, oh, yeah, you and George Soros, you know. And, you know, this is not about a rich guy. This is about a Jewish guy. I mean, let's just be honest about what's going on here that we will see these anti-Semitic tropes coming out and Michael Bloomberg will be to America what George Soros is to Orban's Hungary. And I think it'll be very, very unfortunate. Maybe it'll expose anti-Semitism for the pathetic evil that it is. But anyway, I... If Bernie gets like 42% of the delegates at the DNC and then whoever's second gets like, I don't know, 30-something... If the super delegates vote in the second round for the lesser person, you're gonna get to Trump again. And it sucks, and I really wish that wasn't the case, but that's just the way it's gonna be. Like, the amount of people that support Bernie that aren't hardcore Democrats, they're gonna be like, oh, system screwed again, you know? So I just, I'm praying. Right, and people are starting to ask the question. I've, I've seen two or three reporters now, in fact, even one of the, I think it was Jake Tapper on CNN, was asking some fairly high-up Democratic politicians who are superdelegates, will you support, because right now, in order to win the nomination on the first round, you have to have a majority, you have to have over 50%. But a plurality is where you've got a bunch of people, you've got so many candidates that nobody's going to get 50%, but somebody does get a lot more votes than everybody else. The plurality is the person who gets the most votes, even when there's not a majority by anybody. And so his question was, will you support giving the nomination to the person who wins the plurality on the first ballot? And a number of people are saying, yeah, I'm open to that. And I think that I think that that needs to be the case, you know, more often. And and it would be a good thing. Tony, I got to run. But thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. Heather in Lansing, Michigan. Hey, Heather, what's on your mind today? 
Hey, Tom, I'm thinking about how the Democratic Party is letting us down again in their messaging. I, the candidates have their messages. Bernie has his social reform, Medicare for all, you know, and it makes sense to people that can really understand the economic impact to themselves. But people that right. can't see past taxes being raised and what that's going to mean for their own bottom line need it broken down in a Sesame Street, not to be condescending, but in a Sesame Street section so they can understand no, right. how people their are busy. bottom they line They don't have the time to understand complex things. So, so as much as people like Bernie, they like him for what he has always stood for and what he promises, but they need to understand how that's going to work for them in order for him to be voted for. The Blue Dog Democrats and the people that are very bottom line motivated rather than social reform motivated motivated need that to be convinced. And I wish the Democratic Party as a whole would send out messaging campaigns to help educate people so that they do understand that higher taxes doesn't mean you're going to have less money. It means you're going to have less money going out for your premiums. You're just still the way it's going to work, Heather, is if Bernie becomes the nominee, then the Democratic Party will begin doing that. They're not going to do it right now because it would be perceived as taking. A I position wish the, in the candidates party. would do it now too, though. I mean, the, yeah. the debate. Well, I think Bernie is simplifying this a lot. But I get these emails from from third from third way, excuse me, and from uh, no labels that are just trashing. You know, you're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And these are corporate Democrat groups, and they just horrify me. I mean, it's so sad. Heather, thank you for the call. Your point is well taken. You're listening to Tom Hartman. So you look in the mirror and you see those wrinkles around your eyes, crow's feet, under eye bags. Now, just imagine that they're gone. And I'm not talking about going in for some kind of risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. You can see the demonstrations over on their website at triplexiderm.com. Uh, they actually have videos of this in 10 minutes or, or less. In just a few minutes, you see these radical changes. It's remarkable. You look 10 years younger. I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it. Unless, of course, you tell them. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an additional $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code VOICES at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code VOICES. Michael in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind? I was just calling up here to briefly report on the Bernie Sanders rally that we had here on Sunday and here in Denver. A lot of activity, a lot of energy, and I have to honestly say that Bernie really laid out everything very clearly. Of course, we've got our ballots here. I have my ballot here to put in the mail today once I check it off for the Democratic primary. And I honestly have to say, there was way more, way more unity than what we're getting from the commercial news media here, as I like to call it, because that's what they're all about, is 
you know, selling advertising. Talking to people like myself, I mentioned that the last go-around, I supported Bernie when Hillary was named the nominee. I still am trying to grow back my nails from working and digging as hard for her as I did. And I think that there's more people like me or that sympathize with what we went through than there is the disunity in the party. Not to say, you know, it's politics, but generally speaking, I have to honestly say it's the third time I've seen Bernie, first time I've seen him this go around and all that. He lays it out very plainly, no big language. How many people showed up there in in Denver? I'm going to say probably 10 to 12,000 in that neighborhood, at least. It was at the convention center. Newsweek had a uh, a little item on here. There was some fisticuffs between two people, and they were both escorted out. It was none of this, you know, where people are itching to take the person and tar and feather them, hang them up in effigy like Like in the the Trump Trump rallies rallies and stuff. So there was positive energy. There was discourse. I had my points to make. I'm supporting Bernie and Elizabeth, so I'm going to work for both of them until the smoke clears and then, you know, take the, uh, you know, take the, the person that should cross the finish line, take them and get him or her there. That's what we need to do is to have that close ranks, unity. Yeah, we have different issues. He spoke clearly about the economy, health care yeah. and education and stuff. He never once said we're going to have to raise taxes. But in essence, what he was saying and folks, hey, you know, there's 300 million of us that got the shaft last time around with this tax cut. And now, you know, what we have to do is to take back. And I said, I wonder what billionaires are going to do. Where are they going to go if things get worse and worse and worse for the vast majority of American people out there? Where are they going to yeah, go? Well, as Franklin Roosevelt said, I have a lot of friends who say that if my tax policies go into effect, they will have to leave America. And I tell you, I will miss my friends. <laughs> and there was always laughter. Michael, thank you for that. It's great to hear from you, and I appreciate the report. Marta in Bonnie Lake, Washington. Hey, Marta, what's up? I'm just calling about the rally that Bernie Sanders had at the Tacoma Dome in Washington. There were over 17,000 people there. It was rather wow. amazing, peaceful. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of the peace and love rallies that we had back in the 60s and early 70s. Anyway, yeah, the so-called so- Bernie bros, the nasty folks, the, the, every single one that I've seen on Twitter so far has been somebody who recently joined and has only a few followers, and I think that they're trolls, and frankly, I'm starting to think that they're trolls coming from other countries. Very possible. If not from I was, Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I was very pleased to uh, have... Uh, the Puyallup Tribal Council Chairman David Bean, he opened it, and after he opened it, there was a tribute to all of the missing and murdered Native Americans. It was wonderful. They did some of the speech in the native language and others, and then they English. The three political speakers they had were all female and all women of color. I was so impressed with the whole thing. Marta, I got to run, but but thanks for the report. That's great news. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Our one-hour free podcast recaps our show, and it's available wherever fine podcasts are found. And we have the full three-hour podcast available over at TomHartman.com if you want to really support our program.
Laura in Monrovia, California. Hey, Laura, what's up? Regarding the Bernie thing and his health, I, you know, I want a leader, not a superhero, but, you know, that whatever they, they say about that. But I wanted to talk about the lies I heard on the lovely debate. The two ones that have been really frustrating me are the, the whole thing on Bernie bros. And every time a other candidate talks about we need a candidate to unify people. Well, I've been so moved that I've volunteered my time to be a campaign for Bernie. And I've never met such wonderful people and I've never felt so united in my life. And it's very hard to watch that and know that there's so much information that's wrong about it. And it's, you know, the boots on the ground are full head on. And, and the last thing Bernie supporters ever want to do is be horrible to other people. And it always says, if you get stuck, what do you do? You think, what would Bernie do? I mean, that's pretty much, you know, the slogan as a, as a volunteer. So it's kind of, it's frustrating because I was an MSNBC fan, but I have no faith anymore to ever find my news on that anymore. It's getting difficult. Laura, thanks for calling. I appreciate the call. Scott in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Scott, what's up? Big supporter of Bernie in the last election. I really thought that he had the momentum. If you had been to any of the rallies up in the Midwest here, he definitely had the young people fired up. My biggest concern is that the swamp has infiltrated both parties. I believe that there's big money in both parties. And I wish that... Of course there is. The Supreme Court legalized it in 1976. And after 92, the, the Democratic Party started taking big money, too. Yeah. Yes. And, but the movement, the progressive movement inside the Democratic Party right now is to say no thanks to that. And that's why I wish he would have just stayed as an independent candidate. Because I think that the young people, when they saw what happened in that last election, a lot of young people have been turned off by one of the things your previous callers noted was that when people don't think their vote matters, they quit voting. If you want your vote not to matter, Scott, vote independent. And that's why Bernie didn't run as an independent. He is an independent, but he's running as a Democrat for president of the United States. And you can do both. And it's fine with the Democratic Party. So I don't see that as an issue, frankly. Dave in Stillicom, Washington, listening on KBCS. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? There was a huge fill-to-the-capacity, standing-room-only thing in Tacoma, at the Tacoma Dome. What was in the Tacoma News Tribune yesterday? Nothing, except that, oh, moderates are trying to figure out, a, you know, how to uh, stand some trouble for the party and all that stuff. It's just pathetic. You know, I've been thinking, looks like their presidential nominee is going to be from Vermont, Massachusetts, New York, or Indiana. Now, mm-hmm. that's a northerner. So, historically, there has to be a national, regional, sectional balance. Somebody from the north runs as a... As it's a, like how Jack president. Kennedy put Lyndon Johnson on the ticket to bring yes. Texas in. So, yeah. I've got the perfect candidate for vice president. Historical balance, geographic balance, gender balance, Stacey and racial Abrams. balance. Let's, dra- let's start a draft Stacey Abrams for vice president movement here. <laughs> great minds think alike, Dave. Okay. And well, I, you got a great you know, one. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for the call, Dave. Yeah, Stacey Abrams, I'd vote for her for anything. She's definitely a good one. Tim in Aloha, Oregon. Hey, Tim, what's up? I think the key word that sums up everything that's transpired since the Mueller report and the impeachment is futility. That's what we're involved in right now. We have a, a, a group of millennials, the young people. I've been in the same neighborhood for 30 years, and I've 
I was in education and sales and marketing, and there's a lot of young people that just don't care. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow isn't here. You see what I mean? It's a scary situation. What these politicians... What I'm seeing, Tim, if you look at a Bernie rally, is I'm seeing a hell of a lot of millennials who are on fire. Right. Both my sons are the same way. But overall, what you're going to get, I think, is is the uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Donna Brazil, Hillary Clinton group that are going to try to screw because they're they're trying to do it right now. You know what I mean? Uh, Bernie's going to yeah yeah. Let's 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 Tim. I'm I'm going to end that. Let's not go down that road. I I I actually you know I I know Tom Perez. I don't know him like a friend, but you know I, I I know Tom Perez. He's runs the DNC right now. And Donna Brazil apologized to Bernie and a whole, dedicated a chapter of her book, her autobiography, after she left the DNC to what happened in 2016. And Tom Perez is absolutely trying to do the very best he can so that the will of the Democratic voters, the will of the people, is what gets played out rather than any kind of favoritism. I don't want to revisit 2016. I just don't see any value in that. And what just breaks my heart is when I see people who were Hillary Clinton partisans who loved Hillary Clinton, and I campaigned hard for Hillary Clinton. And you know, the politician who gave more speeches in more places to more people on behalf of Hillary Clinton, one short of Tim Kaine, was Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders danced his heart out for her. And I see these Hillary Clinton partisans. I was one of them after Bernie lost the nomination. They've got this grudge against Bernie, and it's just so sad. It really is. This is tearing our party apart, and we need to stop. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Hey, friends. Wanted to give you the latest news about my good friend Bill Press. Bill no longer does his progressive morning show, but that doesn't mean he's gone away. No way. He's now out with a great new podcast, The Bill Press Pod, dropped twice a week. Check out the Bill Press Pod for Bill's interviews with some of the country's leading progressives like Maxine Waters, Mark Bocan, Jamie Raskin, all roasting Donald Trump. Plus his lively end-of-the-week roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters commenting on the latest craziness from the White House, Congress, and the 2020 Democratic primary. For years, Bill Press has been one of the leading progressive voices in our country, so I'm so glad he's still out there on the left and stronger than ever. I encourage you to join me by subscribing to Bill's new podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast, search for the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and you're in for a true progressive experience on the Bill Press Pod. Check out Bill's new podcast, The Bill Press Pod, dropped twice a week. Steve in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Steve, what's up? Well, with these Dinos, and that's what I call them, Democrats in name only, Chris Matthews, James Carville, Chuck Todd, what would they call FDR? What would they call Harry Truman? They called him a communist back in the day. They called him a socialist. Both of them. Yeah, both they'd, of them. They'd call LBJ that. These people are Democrats. They're corporatists. Plain, pure, and simple. Yeah. And they're living on corporate lobbying money, most of these guys. Howard Dean's a lobbyist now. I, I mean, you just go through the list. Claire McCaskill's now on MSNBC. She's getting a paycheck from MSNBC. But, you know, she never met a lobbyist whose money she didn't want when she was in Congress. It's like, where are the progressives? you got Van Jones over on CNN. Thank God. Every now and then, there will be an actual progressive 
Nandagira Dadhardas, I can never pronounce his last name right, he was on MSNBC apparently over the weekend and just shut down the conversation when he said, hey, you guys, you're wrong. I heard that secondhand from my wife. I am with you, Steve. I think that this is just crazy. Thanks for the call. Stefan in Mentor, Ohio. Hey, Stefan, what's on your mind? The Tea Party Republicans threw a major monkey wrench into the U.S. government. Of course. That was their whole point. We had just elected our first black president, and this was the tip of the spear of the white backlash was the Tea Party. Exactly. I think that the whole Comey saga was was that, that the Tea Party pressurized Comey to the point where, we, where he had to re-examine the the situation with 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 with, with Hillary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the second point is um, I noticed that Bernie is not getting a lot of support from seniors, and and I thought maybe maybe I can bounce this off of you. Um, that I'm a senior citizen paying uh, property taxes. You're paying a wealth tax. 50, Just like me. Fifty percent. Yeah. Fifty percent of my tax property taxes go towards paying local public schools. Yeah, our socialist school system. Exactly. So, um, so if, if Bernie could, you know, somehow maybe make a statement about that when he is on stage nationally, so that seniors can see the benefit. You know, uh, by by you know uh, alleviating that burden off of the seniors, if you know if 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 uh, well, or just uh, extending it. I mean, you and I and Stephanie, your point is well taken. Thank you very much for the call. The bottom line is, average working people, average people pay a wealth tax. If you own a house or if you're renting, you are paying a wealth tax in the form of a property tax. It's a tax on your real estate property. And all Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are proposing is that billionaires pay a property tax, and a much smaller one, 1%, pay a property tax on their money bin. You know, if they, like Scrooge McDuck, if they want to go diving into their money bin and showering themselves with money, uh, you know, if Mike Bloomberg wants to do that, pay 1% of that every year as a wealth tax. I, I pay, you know, 2 3 4%, whatever, whatever the property tax here is in Oregon. I'm paying that every year on my wealth, on my principal principal chunk of wealth, which is my home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy that billionaires don't have to do the same. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Nick in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Hey, Nick, what's up? Hey, Tom. I've got a quick suggestion on what might be a way of countering, your speaker, of countering the uh, billions of dollars that Michael Bloomberg's going to spend in this primary. Let's say he's willing to spend $5 billion. Let's go all the way, way out. Mm-hmm. What I propose is that out of the 20 million plus Sanders supporters, who have Wi-Fi, uh, cell phone, computer, etc., that we find at least one million of those willing to dedicate 10 hours a week to making personal contacts with their friends and their friends' friends and even strangers and positively pushing Bernie's proposals, his values, his ideas, and being willing not just to put the information out there, but to engage in debate, in discussion, in a positive way. Not negative, not trolling, just pure positive. And that the value of that, if you multiply it, a million people, 20, uh, 10 hours each, you know, that's, that's 10 million hours 
per week and do it every single week yeah. through the primary. Well, that's happening, that, Nick. That and, and overwhelms. Nick, yeah, I, I get it. Nick, thanks for the call. I mean, that is happening. What, this, is the, this is why I believe that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the candidates who most likely will beat Trump. And by the way, when you look at the head-to-head matchups in state after state, the candidates who most consistently beat Trump are, are Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is collapsing in that regard right now. And so the number one candidate, according to virtually all the polls who can beat Donald Trump and beat him decisively, beat him by 10 points, is Bernie Sanders. And, and Bernie Sanders has an army out there of people who are animated and active and enthusiastic. And why would you say that's a bad thing? I mean, it just, it just, phew, amazing. Uh, anyhow, Tim in Los Angeles. Hey, Tim, what's up? So our magic number is 1991, right? For delegates for the first ballot at the DNC, yeah. I mean, so, I, I don't know for sure that that's the exact number, but that sounds right to me. I just want to pick your brain real quick, if I can. As a progressive, I'm struggling a little bit to understand. I'm sure you're familiar with 538, the website, right? Yeah. So as far as what we have available um, without inside uh, polling data of these campaigns, this has kind of been the best site to get analysis of current polling and projections and what have you. So Sanders is currently at 47% chance to win after his big showing in Nevada and mm-hmm. his projections. And to win the Democratic primary. Yeah. That's why I said that, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren needs to stay in the race up to the end because her voters are not complete overlap with Bernie's voters. There are a number of people who are supporting Elizabeth Warren who uh, she dropped out of the race they would not go to Bernie. They'd go probably to Amy Klobuchar or Joe Biden. As long as she's in the race, then at the very end, if Bernie doesn't have that 1991 delegates, if he doesn't have 50 percent plus one delegates, but he and Elizabeth Warren together do, which is highly likely, then they can have the same conversation that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama had in 2008 when Hillary Clinton and several other people challenged Barack Obama for the presidential nomination, and Obama needed Clinton's delegates to push him over the top on the first ballot. And he sat down with her and said, would you like vice president? And she said, no, I want to be secretary of state. But you give me that, I'll give you my delegates. And Bernie and Elizabeth Warren can have that conversation, and that will push him over the top. So I'm, I, you know, that's why. Are, are you confident that will happen? I'm not confident of anything, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I am hopeful. Right, fair enough. I am very hopeful. And, and that's why, you know, that, that's why, number one, and thanks for the call, John. That's why, number one, I have been for a long, long time saying, get inside your local Democratic Party. Be, become a precinct committee person. I had people in Minneapolis. I had people in Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles come up and say, I am now a precinct committee person because you told me about it. You are the people who ultimately become like superdelegates. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And the precinct committee people pick who are going to be the primary nominees so we can have all progressives in our primaries. And they write the platform for the party. Matt in Union, Kentucky. Hey, Matt, thanks for watching us on Facebook Live. What's up? I have a lot of people on Facebook that are uh, posting like they feel like the sky is going to fall because Bernie Sanders may win South Carolina and may be the Democratic nominee. And then there are two things, two points that I wanted to point out. Is one, one is, is that uh, people compare Bernie Sanders. Actually, they're not comparing Bernie Sanders. They're taking like Obama and Clinton 
and then even Bush and then Bush Sr. Actually, there was a thing in New York Times about it. So with FDR, like, for example, people try to compare Clinton. They say Clinton was like FDR. It's like, well, FDR wanted to actually, I think in 1942, wanted to tax 100% on anything, $25,000 or over on income tax. And then they compromised. I think it was like 94% or something like 91%. that. 91%. Yeah. 91 or 91%? Yeah. And then, yeah. and, then and, that, uh, and that would be an equivalent in, in, income to probably three or $400,000 a year today. Maybe, right, maybe right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then the other but that was, one And the is, justification is that, for that, by the way, Matt, was the war. That was fighting yeah, for the yeah. survival of democracy around the world. So, you know, that's not quite as pushing the limit as, you know, just doing it now during a time of uh, just, you know, widespread poverty in America. But yeah. Yeah. And, and then there are other people that uh, don't understand the difference between uh, national socialism, the Nazis. You know, someone put up a meme. Which was not socialism, uh, with, uh, actually. They just used the word because yeah, yeah, it was a very popular exactly. word at the time. Yeah, exactly. But Hitler yeah, actually uh, put so, real socialists in jail. I mean, they were among the first people he went after. He went after the communists. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe uh, yeah. he it was put them in first the communists. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but but uh, that, that's the, another thing. Uh, you know, someone put up a meme comparing um, Bernie Sanders as a, a national socialist and then saying he was a commie at the same time. And but that kind of stuff, I, I just hope people would. It's a shame that the the mainstream media doesn't do their job. Yeah, and explaining very well to. Um, people but uh i think they're just you know uh, they are they are listening to these political consultants and these lobbyists people like james carville it's just crazy matt thanks a lot for the call i'm with you on all this stuff zach in north hollywood california hey zach thanks for watching us on free speech tv what's on your mind today i called you way back in 2015 i think it was uh, talking about red capitalism versus green capitalism red dirty capitalism versus clean green capitalism mm-hmm. and really you the were, difference between the two zach is the rules of the game i have a metaphor that may be a uniting factor for our sites you basically have a red dirty car going backwards and you got a clean green car uh pointing forwards mm-hmm. trouble is you've got to have a blue engine and a blue transmission in that green car to to start it and make it run and make what does it that move mean? forward. Well, you've got to use the blue mechanisms of the Democratic Party to get anything across the line. You can right. even get the car started. But we are in the green car. We want to move forward. A question for you. Hmm. If you were to ask anybody, what is our platform? What is Bernie running on? What is our hmm. platform? What are we running on? Most would say climate, health care, and the Green New Deal. And free education. But yeah. But yeah, and but we're never going to get anywhere near that stuff if we don't promote the popular vote and abolish Citizens United, the e-college and the DOJ memo. That's how we got mm-hmm. here in this mess. Well, we've got to several abolish, Supreme Court we've got to decisions. Make that yeah. part of our platform. Yeah. yeah. Abolishing these things that that obstruct us. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm completely with you. And these are not new ideas. And Bernie has been campaigning on them. Elizabeth Warren has been campaigning on them. They need to go forward. Zach, thanks for the call. Heidi in uh, Bellevue, Washington, listening on KPCS. Hey, Heidi, what's up? 
Let's try John in Cold Springs Harbor, New York. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching us on yeah, Free Speech hello. TV. Uh, Tom, yeah. uh, fellow psychologist here. And, uh, I'm not I a psychologist. I was a psychotherapist. You're higher on the food chain than me, John. <laughs> so, no, hey, what's so up? I'm a therapist. I'm a clinical psychologist. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I heard you talk about Mr. Sanders, Senator Sanders doing very well in the various state polls. And mm-hmm. I think it's lacking in at least the media that I've seen is we get national polls, but rarely do we ever get state-by-state polls. And mm-hmm. I think... You know, like it or not, the Electoral College is what's happening now. It's kind of like, reminds me of the the slogan in 1992 by the Clinton campaign, it's the economy, stupid. And I think today the motto should be, it's the Electoral College, stupid. And that national polls mean nothing if they can't carry Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Florida, And this is is the point, by the way, that... The really key states, and we don't, is is really, is Sanders really leading in all of them over Trump? Is that... Yes. Again, I mean, think back to Mark Pocan. You know, he represents Wisconsin, Madison area, in the House of Representatives. And he pointed out, and he points out on the show regularly, that of all the counties in Wisconsin in the primary between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton in 2016, Bernie carried every single county but one in Wisconsin. And that was one of the very most rural counties, and he lost that by a whisker. Bernie overwhelmingly won Michigan. Bernie overwhelmingly won West Virginia. The states where you've got blue-collar, working-class people, Bernie just absolutely kicks ass. And it was mostly the black vote that, that got Hillary the primary, and that's going to Bernie now. Kathy in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Kathy, thanks for listening to KTRC. What's up? Hi, can you hear me? Just fine. Something that's been concerning me for a few weeks, I happened to read an article on informed comment, classified in the informed comment part as democratic socialism, but the heading of the article is social democracy. and Which is and what they call it in Europe, by the way. Right, and I know that people are talking and I'm listening and... More and more, I'm concerned about the democratic socialism that he's talking about. Not for me, because I totally understand it. I just think the campaign needs to put more energy into helping people understand What is happening, Kathy, and we saw this in the primary in Nevada. What is happening is that people are understanding that regardless of the language you use, if you want to define Bernie Sanders' democratic socialism, what it means is everybody in this country has access full access to health care with no deductibles, no premiums, mental health, physical health, dental, eyeglasses, everything. That's all there and it's paid for. That democratic socialism right. means that every, every young person can go to college, the college of their choice, any state university anywhere in the country. I mean, if they want to go to, to Yale or Harvard, they're going to have to pay a tuition. But if they want to go to the University of Michigan or Michigan State University, no problem. People are learning that democratic socialism means that the government works for you, not you work for the big corporations and they own the government. It means that union workers, people have the right to unionize. It's just, again, I keep saying this, it's John Kennedy's agenda, it's Lyndon Johnson's agenda, it's Harry Truman's agenda, it's Franklin Roosevelt's agenda. That is democratic socialism. That is what Bernie Sanders is running on. And we need to stop the hysteria here. It is not productive. Anyhow, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a fascinating day. More coming. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag your it, and tell your friends how to find progressive media. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. So when you look in the mirror, do you see wrinkles around your eyes, crow's feet, a large under-eye bags? Would you rather not see them? 
Imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? Try it. You won't have to imagine anymore. You'll look just like you, only 10 years younger. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will even know you're using it. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TryPlexiderm.com today and use the code VOICES at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com, code VOICES.